0: Welcome everyone, final episode of Shining Mind, season one.
1: Yes, it's been so much fun doing this and this is probably my favorite uh, chapter and principle that I wrote because I feel like it's just the most important thing in the world and it's all about love being the antidote to stress.
0: Yeah, everything. So there's this... Uh, there's a quote actually in the uh, it's page 107 of your book and you say that after interviewing hundreds of people around the world I've come to believe that love is something sought by everyone no matter who you are where you live or how much money you have it's that simple why our brains are wired that way so how are our brains wired that way
1: well um, well basically Uh, we are social animals Mm -hmm. and we need each other to survive and that's probably how we have been so effective there's a lot of evidence to show that humans are more effective species as you can see Mm -hmm. we've dominated the planet um, because of our ability to socialize so our brains are wired in that respect and um also for family for bonding oxytocin etc we're we're kind of bonded that way Mm -hmm. now why do i say love and and i mean you can view love in many ways but the most unromantic version of love is that it stimulates all these amazing hormones Mm -hmm. um, that like dopamine and endorphins
0: right so it's sorry to interrupt you but it's not it's almost like you know love's the word but it's also the same thing as, you know, relationships, you know, bonding, connection. It's that feeling you get when you're with someone yeah. who you have like a deeply personal connection
1: Exactly. With. So we're not just talking about a romantic partner or that kind mm-hmm. of love or not even just love for children. It really, when we're talking about love, we are talking about some kind of connection for sure. Mm-hmm. And that's where you don't want to get too confused about <laughs> that. Mm-hmm. But you can ask anyone that doesn't have very many connections versus people that have a lot of connections they just live longer than i mean there's been many many studies to show that
0: connections is such a difficult word now because like like on linkedin you connect with somebody right and it's almost it's done the whole thing a disservice right and we won't dive too much into the the you know technology we've talked about it before how it's just kind of like a parody of of real human connection. Yeah.
1: So what we mean by that is, just say you wake up one day and you get a diagnosis of some kind of illness. Mm-hmm. Right? Then all of a sudden you can't actually do it on your own. You've been told you need someone to help you. Yeah. Who do you turn to in that? When you ask yourself, who 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 would I turn to? Hmm. In, when that happened, that's the answer so to it's the connection. So
0: people who are with you and there for you in like the hardest times. That's a
1: real connection.
0: Hmm. That's amazing
1: that's really hard actually yeah. for most people to have more than 5 people like they could turn to is very unusual
0: mm-hmm. and it's very natural too like yeah i think another thing you talk about is um like for a newborn child right the safest most secure bond is their parents and their family and that's why it's it makes sense that we would develop this way
1: yeah and um a lot of these things a lot of these uh cool. concepts that we're talking about Sprung out of Michael Meaney's research. Mm. So he's a professor in Canada, and what he demonstrated was that if a mother doesn't lick its pup, mm-hmm. then that pup won't lick its pups. Mm. Go on to lick its pups, yeah, when it yeah. becomes a mother. Um, And then he showed all the molecular mechanisms in the brain that that did that. And then you could reverse it by licking the pup. So it's multi-generational. So even though people have children and they kind of love their children in their head, it's the physical touching and connections and the way that you're paying attention to those pups that matters.
2: Mm. It's
1: not helicopter attention. It's just, hey, will you read this book to me? Oh no, go, go away, I've just got this email to send, I'll get to you in a minute. Mm. No, it's like the immediate, when the, these kids are little, it's the immediate thing of, oh yeah, sure, let's just sit down here and read the book. Right. So then you get this secure feeling in you that you have that rock behind you no matter what. Hmm. And then that flows on for the rest of your life. So that, because of the way the brain's developing, right, it's developing really rapidly between the ages of zero and three. And we talked about negative things going in. So even though you don't think you're being negative in that situation, from a from a three-year-old's point of view, it feels rejection.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So the, it's tiny little things, mm-hmm. but they kind of add up just because of the way the brain is, the way it takes in negative over positive.
0: Mm-hmm. That's uh, it's kind of like the you mentioned, like physical touch, and I know especially like in today's society. Uh, and I'm I'm a huge victim of it too it's you, we don't we don't physically touch each other you know like hugs and it's well
1: especially now with the movements yeah, underway yeah but it's, it's just like most likely.
0: physically biologically studies show and like Kristen Neff I think she's mm. amazing she's here in Berkeley and she's uh, uh reading one of her books and they literally say they proved it in scientific studies that touch you know, even if you just hug yourself, releases endorphins, and it makes you feel happier mm-hmm. and more connected. And that's why, I like the licking the pups, yeah, right,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Michael Meaney's research over thirty years now. Mm-hmm. And showing deficits in the hippocampus, which is where learning and memory is, mm. means serious brain deficits from not getting the right amount. And so, as you know, um, I've done a lot of work in foster homes mm-hmm. with the kid, not homes, but the kids from foster sure. care, and um, they have no. They go from home to home to home. They have no rock behind them most of the time. They and they're often they're sexually abused too. And just to see the deficits in their in their ability to focus and concentrate or sit still is huge, mm. and they go their whole life then both they need to feel that need of lack of mm. love, real love mm-hmm. um their whole life they're filling it up with other things you know that's what leads to addiction leads to mental health problems it leads to all sorts of things and, and we don't even need to be extreme like that I can take you to really wealthy families where the same thing is happening exactly the same thing yeah. but now they have access to money to fill up that need
0: right <laughs> that actually reminds me of um, uh, there's this story that, I'm not sure where I heard it but it, was, it took place in uh, so they're in the subways of Japan right and there's this big guy who's, uh, he's a big bear of a man and he's like a really good boxer. You know, he's, he's done that and he's very physically capable. So he's on the subway and he's very drunk and just causing havoc. Right. And he ends up, uh, like confronting an older woman and there's this, uh, there's this other guy who like, he knows him, another guy in the subway and is about to step in and take control of the situation and all of a sudden, this older Japanese man, who is like clearly very, uh, you know, like I don't want to say Zen, but he's he's in touch with himself and relationships and whatnot, and he just goes up to the this bumbling drunkard guy, and he says, uh, "Come sit with me," and the guy's reacts negatively at first, and then the man, the crazy violent boxer, goes and sits down with him, and they just have this conversation and the guy totally transforms. He becomes like he's weeping about how his wife just died and he has no family and he's been drinking and going um, from bar to bar, and out know, house to house. And then by the end of it, the one who was about to step in realized that exactly what we're talking about, that this was just a human, right? And he just had no connections. He was He was emotionally barren. Yeah, absolutely. It all was the older gentleman to break out of them. Yeah,
1: and um, let me tell you about another major study, which I love this study. Mm-hmm. So um, this is from the, uh, a study done at Harvard, mm-hmm. the 268 Harvard men. Yeah, where yeah. They followed them over a really oh, yeah, long the period Grant of time. Study, right? The Grant study. Um, I just have to say it at that point because it just reminds me of it. And the, the thing that I loved that came out of that was... Um, what they demonstrated was that the only thing that really mattered and the key to healthy aging
0: in so, life. So let me stop you for a second. Can you tell for people listening what the Grant's study is? Because it's maybe one of the most important psychological studies in the last 100 years. Yeah,
1: well, it, basically they, they followed these men from 1939, for, 44, and they followed them for the follow, following 80 years. Mm-hmm. And they're actually now looking at their offspring too and um they're just looking at you know what makes a healthy life and healthy aging yeah really simple questions and they kept following them and, and interviewing them every 10 years
0: Mm-hmm. so from college until basically they're dead yeah it's mm-hmm. the first life's lifelong study, yeah. right yeah and what and what did they find
1: <laughs> well this is the really break it just cracks me up basically they found that it's all about relationships yeah you know and um and how it's not having one relationship; it's just how good the relationship is mm. with somebody. Mm. And uh, it was really funny because it's all about empathy and attachment. Uh-huh. And the people, like the professors around this guy, that kept the study going, said, "Oh, that's I'm so sad for you that that was the outcome of all that work."
2: No. Why would they be sad?
1: Because <laughs> as if you're going to study empathy and attachment as the as the psychological predictor of healthy living. Oh yeah. Because huh. they're looking at, you know, food and right. exercise and all of these other variables. Because mm-hmm. back... Imagine this study was started in the 40s as if... You know, out of World War II, et yeah, cetera. Yeah. That, and these are Harvard men.
0: Mm. So it's just like too soft. Exactly. But at the end of the day, it's just... It's the simple, the simplest thing.
1: And people know that loneliness can kill people. Mm-hmm. But what do we actually focus on in life, though? Tell me how people treat their most deepest relationships with people yeah i mean we just take them for granted really i think and um and i mean when's the last time you told someone that really matters to you that you love them
0: not often enough
1: um it and it's not easy to do if you've never been told that they love you too because they just think you know
0: Mm -hmm. if you know what i mean yeah yeah well and it's Uh, You talk about um, depth versus, you know, breadth uh, of relationships and experiences, right? And how does that, how how do people, how does that manifest in today and in people's lives?
1: So I've listened to a bunch of podcasts with people who like gave up everything and became Mm -hmm. monks, for instance, in Hawaii, they gave up their family, everything Mm -hmm. to become awakened. Mm -hmm. And, um... What he described in that experience was, he had to give up all of those connections because they were taking his energy, and he wanted to put the energy into becoming enlightened. Mm-hmm. And so he, what he describes in that experience is going deep into something, not wide. Mm-hmm. So just say you have three relationships. Don't run away from them when they're difficult.
2: Mm.
1: So for instance, talk through Difficult things, like say that someone really pisses you off, because they said something that upsets you, and they don't really understand you. Mm-hmm. Find out why, mm. for example, and have that communication open up. Mm. And I think what happens, and I, I think this is—it's got to take two people to open up together in a way, and it takes time and practice. But I actually think that we're all the same more than we're different. Oh yes. So doesn't that make sense then that? That emotion he's projecting onto you, you have the same one if you actually sit back and think about it. And so now you can talk through it. And then you actually become more connected through the difficult conversations Mm -hmm. rather than being connected because you both like watching football or you both like eating hamburgers together or you both like, same video games as an example Mm -hmm. because you know how sometimes when you're with people that are doing the same things as you you feel really bonded because you have similar interests Mm -hmm. but it's probably the deepest relationships are the ones where you're actually different and you come together and talk through the differences Mm -hmm. which sounds really weird but once you're in long-term romantic relationships or anything like that being able to talk through jealousy and greed and Mm -hmm. um getting hurt feelings over something or disagreements over where you want to live or being at work all the time, all these things. Mm-hmm. If you can talk through that, then that is where you actually have a long-term relationship in the end.
0: Right. Cause it's you all... tend
1: to run away when things get hard. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. But actually when you lean, it's like the funny thing is I was, I was telling you, I was doing yes, yeah, saying yes to my no and doing all these freaking hard things mm-hmm. like stand-up comedy running a hundred miles. Yeah all of those things. But then I actually came to realize that the hardest thing to do were relationships.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And not just endlessly looking for new ones. Yes. Right. And that's, that's goes back to our biology again. So we're, we're novelty seeking because it's, we, we know the tree is, has no more fruit left. So we need to find a new tree.
1: But then, because then you don't have to go deep either. Right. So as soon as it gets a bit complicated or difficult, then you can just go to the next tree.
0: Yeah. That's like, goes right into the Daniel Kahneman studies, you know, the system one, system two. Yeah. And who knows in 20 years if they'll still be calling it that, but the core... Well,
1: for me, that's what the top brain, the bottom brain are, his system one and two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One's MIGI, one's the prefrontal cortex.
0: Right, so what the... For anyone listening, the really to simple it down, simplify it down is, um, he's this famous, like world-renowned uh, psychologist, and he writes about how there's two systems in your brain, and um, there's fast like,
1: thinking and slow thinking. Yeah, it's
0: thinking fast and slow. Is this book? And you have your impulses, you have your, uh, you know, simple like I'm going to take that fist of chocolates, right? and then that's the easy choice and then that changes for what you're doing you know at work i'm going to answer these 10 emails you know i'm uh, i'm going to walk for 5 minutes instead of run for 5 minutes you know but then system 2 is the one that will actually make the decision if it's strong enough to tell you okay run instead of walk cuz you need that exercise okay handful of grapes instead of handful of chocolates and it really, it really changes the way that you, uh, you interact with people too, because of what you said. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, exactly. Instead of running away as soon as they say something that you either disagree with mm-hmm. or you find threatening.
0: Right. So maybe think about that in personal especially, lives. Too.
1: Yeah. Especially for relationships, I think that are like partner relationships. Mm hmm we you've got two different families coming together, two different value systems, all sorts of things, but actually we're all the same. Mm-hmm. So if you can sit, step, step back in terms of strategies, like how do you actually do this, yeah. if you can step back and say, hey, actually, we're actually more alike than we're not alike, we just want to look at the differences, mm-hmm. but actually when we're 99.9% similar to each other yeah. genetically, and then we're 99% similar to apes yeah. genetically
0: but we're more similar to each other than we are to apes yes yeah. so
1: all of those emotions yeah. that that person's throwing at you you actually have the same ones right which is jealousy or the ones that are throwing you apart are the bad ones right, right. anger jealousy greed right. not getting your needs met whatever it is And i
0: will say that like i don't know if you would agree i mean you're more international than i am being an australian born and going back and forth so often but i really truly think the best thing about either technology or maybe it's just maybe it's not technology maybe it's something else but we are starting to realize that more and more that we're more similar than we are different and like sure technology is undermining relationships there's no doubt about it but i do think it's bridging the gaps that show me you know if i go to the amazon And spend a week with a tribe that has no connection to the world, they smile and they laugh and they experience the world in the exact same way that we do. And that's beautiful. I wanted to curse. That's beautiful.
1: Yeah. It is. It's so simple, though, isn't it? But it's not easy. It's Mm -hmm. not easy to lean into deep relationships, Mm -hmm. right? Otherwise, everyone would be. Mm -hmm. It's much harder. Than having relationships across wide widely or people have none Mm. because they don't want to deal at all with people because Mm -hmm. they find them really threatening so so they become very lonely and that's what i see sometimes people arriving home after work getting out of the car getting to their house Mm -hmm. locking up watching going watching tv or whatever they're doing in their house going to work Mm -hmm. not connecting with people at work they become more because they feel that they don't want anyone so that's the other extreme of multiple wide nothing relationships yeah to no relationships at all
0: yeah it's crazy how we trick ourselves i do this all the time all the time you you trick yourself into thinking i think it's like the productivity uh, oh yes you're too busy yeah but well it's like i can't I don't want to go out tonight because I know I need to do this, you know, or I need to accomplish that, or I need to be ready for the next morning doing something. And it's like, okay, I'll be alone and I'll watch a movie and I'll have a great time and enjoy that. But that's why like Netflix is, it's actually kind of, I don't know, like it's great, but just sitting there and just letting it bombard you. It's not, you're not connecting. You're connecting with a computer.
1: Yeah, I find it. I see that too with my daughter and everything. Yeah, I, I I think it has a consequence. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. So, you've I mean you went through a divorce, and mm-hmm. right, so you've had your share of difficult relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what have you done, and how have you found? That's these... why I could
1: write this chapter. Yeah and the really funny thing is that how this chapter actually started was even before my divorce Mm -hmm. so I was sitting next to this woman at the high school where my daughter was and someone was winning a sports award Mm -hmm. and she leaned over next to me and she said, don't you remember that time when you were so full of life so excited about what life had to unfold Mm -hmm. she goes, wait till life smacks you in the face
2: Mm -hmm. and I just went,
1: oh my goodness and then she told me about her divorce but I wasn't divorced then and I didn't understand what it meant to be honest for me, it was just the D word. Mm-hmm. I had no empathy mm-hmm. until I had my own. And now right. I have complete empathy. Mm-hmm. Basically, when you've been with someone for a really long time, for me it was 25, 30 years, it's like a, it's like a death. Mm. It's grieving, actually, that you end up having, mm-hmm. because, especially if you have a family focus right. person. Um, and I didn't expect that. And so I actually had my heart shattered. So that's why I could I can write this because I understand it better now that I would have without having that experience. Mm-hmm. And then bring it all back together. You know, you can mend your heart back, but it's like putting superglue in places, mm. but the rest is still a bit detached. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And then sometimes you go straight back and it's, and it's very up and down process, but... Um, When that happened to me, I made the decision that I didn't want to spend the rest of my life in grief Mm -hmm. because I'd seen that too. I'd seen people crying for 20 years and and I was 50 when it happened. I'm like, I'm not giving up my 50s to grief completely. I've been somewhat successful, but not 100% successful. It is much harder than I thought, like everything. Um, And so then I did meet someone else um, almost straight away. I didn't mean to, but he came into my life and then I really got to see what unconditional love was. I'd never heard of that before. I'd never really experienced it before. Love for me in my life, growing up, came with conditions. Mm -hmm. And even though I love my parents and they love me, it was still kind of conditioned on things. Like Mm -hmm. if they... They don't see it like that, but that's how it was. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And that's why I now try and try to learn...
0: Unconditional.
1: Unconditional love means... Yeah. that you love someone no matter what mm-hmm. that sounds simple doesn't it mm-hmm. now imagine you're with someone you've been married for 25 years and then they go and do something that's terrible
0: mm-hmm.
1: can you still love them
0: mm. and those that's one like the true masters you know like the people that you read books about like they're the ones like the meta meditation right the ones who can offer love to anyone yeah that's unconditional love.
1: it is and but even someone you with yeah, you may think you love them, but mm-hmm. do you love them unconditionally? Mm-hmm. Um, I think parents that have disabled children and other things, they understand unconditional love mm-hmm. more than most of us do I think we think we understand it and it's not until you're faced with something that you do you understand what that really yeah you know, something just came flying into my brain mm. about well, unconditional love <laughs> well,
0: I, And I mean just to kind of like bring it back. To you know, to the room. We we say like we keep talking about love and whatnot. And it's if you if you imagine like a, a relationship that you have with your your family, right? Like uh, your let's say it's your mother, or a brother, or a sibling, or something. You live you live with them. You mm-hmm. see them every day, and that's. I mean, that's even when it's hard. You know, that maybe is the hardest time. You know, when you are interacting with this person every day to still do that, you know, be as kind as you possibly can. It's difficult. Yeah, because there's no novelty in it. No. And, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's So
1: so this is the thing that we're talking about, right? Yeah. How to stop fleeing from things that aren't novel. Yeah. This is the thing I've really learned. This is why it's simple but not easy because Mm -hmm. of the freaking brain Mm Mm-hmm and the novelty-seeking aspects, how do you stay centered even if things might seem boring
0: mm-hmm.
1: and go deep
0: mm-hmm. and sit? Right.
1: That's the key. That's doing freaking hard that stuff. Yeah. That's the, It's true, but that's why people end up having affairs and doing all this crazy stuff mm-hmm. because they can't sit in that space, space. that you just talked about
0: Mm-hmm. and really connect
1: and just and go deep mm-hmm. and not go with the monkey brain to the novel next novel thing that you've got to do because you're bored
0: mm-hmm. but it's definitely like um, a doctrine of the means you know there's there's the ultimate I'm going to travel constantly I'm going to have no home I'm going to work out of Airbnbs I'm going to be I mean whatever a, a nomad I do that sometimes You know, because it's it's fun and it's nice and explorative, right? But then there's the other end of the spectrum where you never leave those relationships at at all. And you don't really go out and learn how valuable they are, right? And so
1: then you're taking them for granted. You're
0: taking for granted. Because that's, I mean, if you don't know anything else, that's the hardest thing in the world is to really love someone unconditionally if you don't know how important they are but when you go out and that's why college is a really cool experience because it forces you to leave and realize what's important to you and And
1: some people still go and don't realize that
0: (laughs) yeah why do you think that is i don't
1: know because they haven't they're not introspective they're not sitting still they're not they just go, 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 go. They don't ever take the time. And I was like that for a long period of my life. Mm-hmm. You don't take any time to even sit back and think, what's my north, what's what's my compass? Mm-hmm. What What's going to guide my life? Mm-hmm. What are my values and my principles? Because there's so many opportunities in America or anywhere in the world now, in this mm-hmm. Western world, you can go and do this and that. And now that there's Airbnb, for mm-hmm. example, right? Or mm-hmm. Uber, and there's this all these ways of living now. Right. So, what's your compass that's going to guide you? I think that's a difficulty because of the novelty seeking part of our brain. I feel like it's exploded our brain in a way. Right. With all of these ways of meeting people all over the world. Right. And then being able to stay all over the world, you know?
0: Yeah. I, I think I, I 100% agree with you. I think, though, it's a fairly human thing to say that now is more open than it ever was before. Like, how about when we first had automobiles, right? So it's it's always happening. I think it's just the constant human problem.
1: Yes, but in this time but this is the the last two years ninety percent of information hit the internet. Of all information that came out, it came out ninety percent of it came out in the last two years. Yeah. For example. Yeah. yeah. Um, how many people now are global compared to even twenty five years ago? I mean I I only came to the I went to, came to the U.S. in ninety in 2000. Right? Mm-hmm. People just didn't do that much before then. Mm-hmm. Like people living all over the world now.
0: Mm-hmm. But I mean, to say, and we can we won't go too far into this yeah. non sequitur. But it's the same kind of thing. How many people left their village or left their state before cars, before planes? Yeah, but now it's right? global. Before carriages. Like,
1: but global. This is global.
0: But we're all the same. We are, I'm just saying. (laughs) But
1: but it's a mixture of... But the tribes are really different.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was just
1: kidding. I know. But it's true, though. It's now global.
0: Yeah. No, No. and I agree with you. And that's what's contributing to us being this global community, which is a a beautiful thing. And I truly think we're going to go to another planet someday. Or maybe have to, but Mm -hmm. who knows. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. it's. it's But
1: uh, but, uh, the thing that I find fascinating in all of this journey seeking trying to understand why we're here having purpose maybe we're here for maybe there is no purpose maybe we are dust to dust right Mm -hmm. um who knows um everyone has a different view of our purpose but the bottom line is that at the end of the day um i look at david goggins can't hurt me fame who i channeled for a really long time because i love I love what he did to turn his life around because Mm -hmm. that's kind of what it takes. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he had to let go of a lot of relationships. Mm -hmm. And so, I just always think: if he had more relationships, would he even be unlocking even more of his human potential? Mm
0: -hmm. If he had more of them? Yeah, if he stayed deeper,
1: deeper is what I mean. Because he's he 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 has very few people that he's connected to. Maybe it's enough. I don't know. But I, I and I see so many people that have families that love them, but they they just don't want to stay mm. because it's hard.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Hard to go deep.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's actually this really... Um, I think it's Robert Sapolsky. I've probably mentioned him before on this. And uh, he discusses... He might not have conducted this study, but uh, how today people... Um, with You know, with texting, right? One way that they... There's a direct correlation... direct relationship between the size of someone's prefrontal cortex and the amount of people they text message like the difference people and this is just kind of my couch philosopher theory but and they're not sure whether it's big prefrontal cortex so big rational mind, big uh, you know like management executive executive functioning they have a lot of relationships because of that big prefrontal cortex or they have a big prefrontal cortex because of those uh-huh. which mm-hmm. way yeah, it could be I'm a bit of sure both yeah. yeah it's it, hard yeah. to know that yeah because you can't
1: get a baby texting
0: Mm-hmm. but it's so to go back to what we're talking about and to this theory so the prefrontal cortex is kind of like the opposite of these emotional, emotional like deep but not parts
1: lives. of it. There's the insular cortex, right? Mirror neurons and the premotor mm-hmm. cortex. They all sit together. Mm-hmm. The pre, the mirror neurons are probably some of the most important things yeah. that have really significantly involved the human species, right? So yeah. because of um, they think they're heavily involved in human language because um, it's only developed in 40,000 years really rapidly. Mm-hmm. And it's because we copy each other. Yeah. So those mirror neurons play a huge role in our connections. Mm-hmm. And actually, let's go to something really evil because we're always talking about love, but on the opposite yeah, end, it is um, basically sociopath and um, narcissism. Yeah. That's where they actually can manipulate people to such a high mm. extent because they can use the mimicry effect.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They actually have really f- super, super control of their, of the mirror neuron system of other people. Right. And I, I've actually met that
0: right. in my life,
1: and it's really scary.
0: Yeah. Think of Walter White. I was just riffing on Netflix, but if anyone watched Breaking Bad, it's, he's a sociopath. Yeah,
1: it's fascinating. And they're charismatic, and, you can, and they're, so manipula- they're so highly manipulative. Hmm. They're at the top end of the scale. where they can just sit here and you'd think they're the nicest person in the whole world
0: Mm -hmm. so you you mentioned one thing before uh actually before we were talking and so you were just kind of you're sitting in an airport you said oh yeah everyone was on their cell phone and you were just like you weren't feeling great no
1: so i'd just taken my daughter to see her school for college and uh, we're coming home sitting at the airport and everyone, as you know, is on a device of some type. Sure. Yeah, you know, whole families. You included. Well, I was going to, except my phone needed charging. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which made me edgy. <laughs> right. Because I'm one of them. Um, but you'll see whole families, right? iPads, devices. Yeah. It's just, it's got really more than ever, in yeah. my view. It's like, it's like almost 100% of people now. Yeah. And then uh, my phone is being charged, and I'm like, oh my God, everyone looks... And it's because you're on your phone, you don't look happy.
2: hmm and so people looked is...
1: disconnected, and I was getting edgy. And I thought, I'm going to sit down and write down 100 things that I'm grateful for. Mm. And so I started to do that. And after the first 20, I looked down and discovered that they're all people, yeah. except for my health, because my health is really important. Yeah. You know? um, and then I was just like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Huh. What am I fo- where am I actually focusing all my effort, if that's what I'm really grateful for? Mm. And that's when I came up with the conclusion that I had to stop going white and get deeper on less relationships.
0: Hmm. So, for someone listening, how how do they employ that? I mean, first of all, making a list like that is amazing. You know, and there's, I know people who journal at night, Mm -hmm. they say, do write down five things you're grateful for Mm -hmm. every single night. It can be like the chair you're sitting in, literally. Exactly. Um, But how? I mean, with relationships, well, I just
1: wrote thing? down the i just i it just came out i said i'm going to write down a hundred things I'm grateful for, and then it just came out and I just started writing the names of people mm. the names of people the names of people I, I guess I'm a people person too, which is a bit different yeah um but then, because it was my birthday coming up, so I decided to write letters to each of those people for my mm-hmm. birthday, which I'm still in the process of doing, because mm-hmm. you know I'm old. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I have a lot of letters to write. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the good thing about doing that, just starting that process of writing the first letter, obviously my children were number one or two, mm-hmm. um, but even to my parents, the thing that I found the most valuable out of the whole experience from that, is is that you actually just start to think about what are the things that they've given to me that have made me
2: hmm.
1: yeah, you know, the good things mm-hmm. and then writing that to let them know mm-hmm. How much that meant to me mm-hmm. and that had made them they just so They don't hear that right yeah, Cause They yeah. only hear about all the bad stuff They've done because we tend to focus on that because yeah. of the way the brains wired and then but once you get older and you understand you've raised your own family parenting is the hardest thing i've ever done
2: yeah
1: and then also they're just doing the best they could with the tools they had compared to what their parents had yeah. which were even less tools and less understanding less knowledge less access to information often more trauma you know mm-hmm. more world war one world war two yeah you know what i mean and blah 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 so if you think like that then they actually did a Pretty reasonable job with what they had, yeah. and they gave me an amazing education. And uh, and just knowing they had four kids, and we all had, yeah, some of them went to boarding school. I went to, we all went to uni. That's a big deal. Mm. And so I just wanted to say thank you to them for that. Yeah. But in that process,
0: you're saying thank you right now.
1: Yeah, thank you, mum and dad. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you feel, realize the elements that people are bringing to your life that are, that are actually forming you.
0: Right. in a way and then it's so ironic how I don't I mean actually articulating those to the people you have to do that like if you don't then it makes you feel good right but if you want to make them feel good also you need to articulate it to them. yeah I know. and that's even harder it is it's and hard. That's, it's I, practice I, if for anyone who's like maybe maybe you're a captain on a sports team or you're like a, a teacher or something and Whatever, if you like lead people, I mean, in my experience, as in doing those things, it's just offering like a compliment, a simple compliment that's like meaningful that you're actually mean. Cause yeah, we it's authentic. Think it, we all think yeah. he's really wow, he's really good at that. Yeah, just say it. Yes, wow, you're <laughs> well, really but, good at that. But
1: jealousy, human emotion is jealousy. There's a, it's a big one, and most people have no concept that they're jealous.
0: Mm-hmm. Why?
1: Because you want to be that person.
0: Yeah. Tell me about it in your brain, though. Why?
1: I just think it's a, it's a major element of our emotion that's on the competitive side of resources. Mm. Like, if I give you that, then I won't get that, so maybe I won't be able to feed my offspring. Mm-hmm. And I want to have a bigger pile than your pile. Mm-hmm. Which drives everything in our society of consumerism and materialism is driven by those jealousy emotions. And but the way you solve it is by first of all recognizing that that is the reason why you can't say it. Huh. But then what? How you retrain your brain? Uh, I've been teaching people this because I had to do it for myself. Huh. How you retrain the brain is one recognizing it, and then and then immediately saying that thing to that person, and mm. everything goes away. Mm-hmm. Can you give me an example? What do you mean? Okay, so for instance, as an academic, you ha- it's very competitive. I was at UCSF running my lab. Yeah. I was this before, early days. And yeah. the girl sitting opposite me, we're on little cubicles. She got this amazing paper and I hadn't won yet.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm like immediate inside me, that's not fair. I want it to be me. Yeah, yeah. But immediately what I did was I, I got up, went around to her cubicle and said, congratulations. That's fantastic. Yeah. And it all went away yeah and I'm like,
0: you actually meant it yeah, well I did yeah, but so you I to did like really
1: mean i not necessarily no, because i didn't I still had it like I wanted that to be me, mm. but for some reason, I did that and 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 what I discovered in that process was that my jealousy went away, mm. so that was teaching me something about jealousy. I didn't know that at the time, hmm. and now i I see it all the time now, but because of my training. So face, so if you want to have a good training ground for this jealousy training thing, mm-hmm. Facebook is excellent, mm-hmm. right? Cause oh, every, because basically everyone's promoting all of the amazing things mm-hmm. they're doing, they're wearing amazing clothes, whatever it is that mm-hmm. will stimulate your jealousy, if you you may not realize you are even jealous, but mm-hmm. mostly we are, mm-hmm. and, and no one realizes it. But if you use Facebook and you actually go and, congratulate people or you say to them have a great trip oh that looks fantastic congratulations to your daughter for getting into that school it Mm -hmm. all starts to fade away Mm -hmm. and then so that's how you train it out
0: right and what's so backwards about all that so we (laughs) so we love facebook we love these instagram whatever um and they're actually making us like kind of hateful in a way And like less connected, but you feel more connected, right? It's the most and complicated thing. You delete thing. them and then you start, your, you, the, the relationship's deepen. Yeah. Right? It's it's just bizarre. Most very complicated.
1: Yeah. Because I have to say this birthday was, I woke up on my own on purpose. And, but I'd had, I had probably the most Facebook happy birthday messages in my whole life. Really? Yeah.
2: Wow. Why? Yeah.
1: Because of what I've been doing all those all those things, all those things. Yeah. casting my net much wider than I ever have before mm-hmm. by doing those courses and meeting lots of people, and it was all online. Yeah. So, I thought that was really fascinating. How did fascinating. that make you feel, though? Did you? Well, I you had care, I was or? I have never cried as much as this last April, mm. and it's not related to that necessarily. It's lot, lots of other things, but yeah. it, but it was very clear to me in that mm-hmm. moment of what really matters.
0: Mm, but so that the difference, I think, between that, though, is so those are like good wishes on social media. There's none of those. There's very little, very few of those. Right. So like I actually remember a similar experience on my birthday. I, I was born in the end of February. And so I kind of I get affected by the weather. So like when it's cold and rainy, I don't feel so great. And unless it's been really sunny and then it's great when it's cold and rainy. But I remember waking up on my birthday and just throughout the whole day, too, got so much more love than I would have expected. And I felt really good about it. You know, I was like, wow, I forget that I have all these amazing people in my life. But like on a normal day, if you're going on these Instagram or whatever, Snapchat, they're not sending you good wishes. They're trying to show you that their life is better than yours. Mm -hmm. And that's why I... Not directly, or that they're leading a good life, also not better than yours. But I deleted all those apps, and I'm happier than I've been in a long time, and it's been wow. a while, honestly. Like, what I did you
1: delete? All of Facebook, Instagram. I
0: have. I still have the accounts. Oh, okay. I still have Facebook. But you're not account. going on there at all. No, you delete them from your phone, and then it's it's really hard. In the beginning. Yeah, it's really hard. it's it's really hard for a while, and then. I actually re-downloaded them and didn't use them at all. Like, I have it on my phone, but only to post, like... I'll, I'll post, like, a, once a month, like, because I really like photography. Yeah. Right? So yeah, I'll post, well, it's good like, for Instagram. Yes, right. So I'll post yeah. the five photos. Yeah. We don't need to go into that. But I idea.
1: think it's very interesting because I think they're all addictive, yeah. In their own way, for sure, and I'm thinking about doing the same thing because I've been on it for a while,
2: yeah.
1: And it was, it's, I enjoy it. I, I, I use it to just tell people how great they are, and I like that because that's that's, what, that's amazing. Well, that's all I use it for, yeah. And also, for me, I like having a record for my children. Mm. So I don't know if they'll they don't really use it, but I want them to see how much I love them and they have a record of it, yeah, yeah. of the different things because that's what I like about it for me, as right. a, for my page, I mean. And also, I like the idea of showing people the good things about life. That's mm. how I see Facebook for me. Huh. And so I use the groups to support people or to say happy birthday or to say well, well done. Yeah. Um, you know, all of those things.
0: Yeah, no, nah, there's some really good things about it. And that's what sucks. It's like there's. But, you some... can,
1: but that's the only way I use it.
0: Yeah. Well, your generation has a much better handle on it than we do because we take it competitively, and your generation is just you're you're older and it's le- life is less well, competitive what's the,
1: how do you compete what's the I mean it's not like you mean for likes and direct, following it's not direct like is you don't
0: for... think uh, I want likes it's just like what you were saying before though it's, it's all like about competition at the end of the day and what it's... who's
1: about how you look or what you're doing or where you're going yeah, um, those kinds of things. I think some people in my Perception. group generation do it that way too for sure because yeah. they're only putting up the best images of their family or their situation mm-hmm. as we discussed mm-hmm. earlier and then behind the scenes that's not necessarily going on mm-hmm. so,
0: so love is the antidote right? yeah
1: totally and can we just talk a little bit about that from brain development yeah, point of view please. I think it's really really important for please. people to understand is that our brain's born stressed out over millions of years of evolution and then some brains have more trauma and and other things to deal with during early childhood up until the ages of 18. Right. and that stresses out the emotional part of the brain and what i mean by that i mean the wiring in the brain so the the wiring of the brain becomes incredibly reactive and um, if the brain or the person um, doesn't get just the right amount of love and attention Between the ages of zero and three, Mm. they will always be seeking for the rest of their life, love and attention. Mm -hmm. Whether it comes in the form of addiction, Mm -hmm. or it comes in the form of acting out, doing all sorts of crazy things to get attention. Mm -hmm. Because it didn't get the amount it needed between the ages of zero and three.
0: Right. It's... It's
1: very important. This is so incredibly important because it's setting the brain up for stability for the rest of your life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The beginning of life is like we talked about, um, what was the AC, what did that sound like? This this is the adverse, yeah, ACE score. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: that's why, I mean, it changed my world in terms of neuroscience, but the reason I finished up on principle six being love is the antidote to stress. I meant it from a brain wiring perspective, um, because, a mentor a coach a grandmother a person that has your back is enough to mitigate the effects of all those adverse childhood experiences
2: mm-hmm.
1: to start to rewire the brain and give it those nice hormones to balance out all the bad ones yeah. you know that's the thing it's so powerful and we talk about everything about connections relationships going deep and love and that's because it's so essential for the brain yeah. to thrive Loneliness will kill people. Yeah. it's the key to healthy aging an eighty year study <laughs> yeah. why don't we do that? It's like we're always doing everything else that's the opposite of that
0: yeah i I really think it was uh not to be too like anti like too political about it, but I think it's like society, just the way it's been driven the last fifty years you know really since like nineteen fifty you know it's uh I think there's like a study that industrial
1: uh, revolution yeah, well, and individualism. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, and I think there's something. Um, there's like a direct uh, or an anti-correlation between the amount of floor space we've had on average in our homes, and so like the size of our home and our possessions, and an opposite relationship between friendships. So we have fewer friends and more things. Yep. because we've been told that things are going to make us happy yeah but things don't make you happy maybe if you're throwing a ball with your dad that makes you happy that's a thing yeah but who are you going to throw the ball to
1: you definitely need some level of material um like having shelter is really of good course. like the basic foundations yeah. you just need only a certain amount of shelter mm. right to feel safe and secure for your family mm-hmm. you need a some kind of roof, yeah. But you just don't need acres of roof to get happy. Yeah, yeah. And so there's a book written in in England actually called The Spirit Level, Demo- level. yeah, you know, d- demonstrating how Americans are some of the unhappiest people in the world, even though they have the most things. Huh. The and it book. didn't make it to America, <laughs> ha, <laughs> the book. <I> why. <laughs> but you know the Scandinavians are the happiest.
0: Yeah. So this is the this is the concluding episode of uh, the podcast and uh, I mean I just want to go back to something that you just said right we're or at least this series sorry but you know we're we're talking about generating true connection right and instilling these like values in you know in other people and ourselves right and that's I think why we're doing this podcast right and it's you know we're a, we feel like we're giving a true connection to people and like we have a good connection right and there's so much there's so much that we can do with this that people can do with podcasts right because it's a real thing you know it's not just through your phone you're actually listening to a conversation and I hope that we've we've accomplished this to any degree Uh, and And
1: one of the best and most important deep connections is with yourself Mm. because when you have a really deep connection and love for yourself mm-hmm. not in a narcissistic superficial way but in a deep loving way yeah then that helps set the compass and sets your values and your principles yeah. and then you actually realize that you have to put effort like effort into becoming a musician you have right. to put effort into love right and deep relationships mm-hmm. and it comes from you not from someone else
0: right so i just want to uh, read One more little passage, and this is almost at the end of the book, Um, and just to put this on record as well, Selena's going to write another book, and it's going to be on, it's going to be on love, and I'm going to help her write it, and I'm saying that because I want you to do it. Um, So here's the passage. Often we act as if there's a quote on love, when it is by far the cheapest thing on the planet. Love not only makes us happy and healthy, it is without bonds, without bounds. There's no need to fence it in. And I think that just captures what we're doing exactly And this chapter.
1: Yeah, it is without bounds, but we make it bounded. Hmm. But that's because I I actually think it's because that's just how we were taught in -hmm. a way by our situations that we're in. There's very few. There's some people I've met, and you've met some of them, where it's unbounded. They have unconditional love for everyone, mm. in a way, um, not just their own family or the closest people to them, but also animals and plants, and mm-hmm. they're really connected, mm-hmm. and they're really awakened, and they. But they're doing really, really out there. Mm-hmm. Getting at things, yeah. right. <laughs> Um, not all of us can do that but I get part of the it's almost like our journey is actually to come back to love ourselves so we can love others which is very simple
0: (laughs) the simplest thing and that's why it's so ironic
1: so that's doing freaking hard things
0: yes well I think that's a great way to end uh, the season thank you everyone for shining mind season one if you have any guests any Any content, any questions? Send us notes. We'll, you know, we're we're gonna start recording some, uh, kind of free flowing episodes. So, any thoughts? Anything you want to hear? Reach out.